Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this podcast, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. McNamara on Money is heard on six continents and in more than 50 countries worldwide. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm joined this morning by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. Good morning. How are you, Justin? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. All right, I guess we have to write that down to record our own intros. I think once we change the show format, maybe that didn't happen. Mental note to do that. But good morning, everyone. We're live Saturday morning, 781-837-4900 is the call-in number if you have any questions for us. We are here until 10 a.m. Saturday mornings. This morning, we're going to talk about how big is a million. This is a show sort of topic that came up to me when I think you and I did a show a few weeks ago or a month ago. And I was like, we need to do a show on how big is a million. And yeah. it yeah. came in. I we had a children's book that I used to read to the girls. It's there's a children's book called How Big is a Million? And it's by it was an Usborne book. Remember those Usborne books? Sure. You could go to an Usborne book party. I don't even know if that still exists. That's probably dating me. Yeah. Uh, what's an Usborne book party? What? <laughs> anyway, there's a book called How Big is a Million by Anna Milborn and Serena something. Sorry, I don't can't see that. Don't know how to pronounce that name. But it was a really cute book about this little baby penguin and he was trying to figure out how big a million is and he goes through all these steps 10 100 a thousand a hundred thousand or something like that and then they get to a million it's really adorable anyway so I was going to approach this from a few different directions today Justin I don't know if you saw some of my notes but I thought we could start where you want to start so I was going to approach this from I could come up with five different sort of ways to approach how big a million dollars is And I was thinking about it in a few different ways. Number one, in terms of real estate, interesting conversation these days with real estate prices. Number two, to generate, like thinking of a retiree living off of a portfolio. So we could spend a lot of time probably approaching it from how to generating earnings and what it could generate in terms of income for a retiree. So to support like a draw or an income need in retirement, that's, that would be an easy one. We could probably spend a lot of time on that. I also thought we could talk about it in terms of the portfolio or the amount of money itself generating earnings in the markets, not guaranteed, but its ability to, to grow and contrasting that with smaller amounts of money. We could contrast it with larger amounts of money, but I think the point was to contrast it with smaller amounts of money in terms of its ability to, to earn money for the owner in an investment portfolio. We've spent time talking about front-loading retirement and building savings early so that your money works for you. So is that coming at it from that perspective? Also, we could get into college. How much does a million dollars pay in terms of college educations? That might be a little bit scary. And then if we have time, I thought we could also approach it in terms of life insurance coverage. It seems to be, it's a very, it's a big round number and it's used as, I don't know, a benchmark or it's used in all these different ways in our world, the world of personal finance. And I think it's also used in like the life insurance world as, oh, I'll get a million dollars of coverage and that should be good. Um, And that's used as uh, in retirement as well. If I have a million dollars, I should be good. And so the point is to um, talk about it and come at it from a bunch of different perspectives today. Where do you want to start? You know what? I'm, I'm open to your um, 
opinions here. I would like to just I'm trying to I'm trying to write down some kind of topical notes. Just I, and I know we usually focus on a big picture topic and do a deep dive, but occasionally I'll catch things that I think are more topical. So I just wanted to maybe try to spend each week with a few minutes on something that might impact people's people's planning. Right? I know we I don't we don't watch CNBC, and I'm I don't think there's something that affects your financial life coming at you every every hour or every day even. But on occasion, I do find some stuff that I just want to make sure that we'll catch. I know, I know okay. we'll, we'll cover this at a later show, but the IRS has been, they, we had the Secure Act 2.0 passed and it made a lot of changes on the retirement front. And it was like a lot of legislation, it gets passed and then the IRS takes a look at it and says, oh, hey, how, how feasible is this? Is it to do this on this time scale or under this set of rules? Mm-hmm. I did catch, a couple, maybe going back a couple of weeks or a month even, but the, the IRS made a change to the Secure Act 2.0. I don't know if, if folks will remember this, but for earners who are earning over 145,000 with wages over 145,000, they were the IRS the Secure Act 2.0 was going to force catch-up contributions to be Roth. Roth, Yeah. Right. If you were going to, you could put in your normal in this year, Mm $22,500 as a traditional, as in tax deductible contribution. But Mm -hmm. if you were going to do the catch-up, in other words, the over 50 catch-up, you'd have to go out, you'd have to make that a Roth, right? The additional 7,500 for this year would have to be a Roth if this was That was the original legislation. Yeah. That was the original legislation. Originally set, to start set next year. Yeah. Yes. Originally set for 2024. And again, not everything takes place in 2024. There's some that's 2025. But and I know we'll as 2024 grows closer, we will certainly do a show to update what changes there are. But this one was kicked at 2026. So for those of you okay. who were over 50 and worried that you were going to have to be making Roth contributions if that was your if that was an issue for you, that was kicked to 2026, and that IRS guidance came out in the last month or so. 2026 when the tax brackets are set to be probably higher for most people. So then they're going to be having to pay most of the, yeah, it's probably actually better to get the money in the Roth now. (laughs) The opposite would be good. Sunsets and taxes and all that stuff. Yeah. There's a lot going on over the next few years. It should be, it should make for a lot of radio show content. So maybe okay for us, but a little confusing for the the average taxpayer, I think. Yeah. Was I on the show with you when we talked about Secure 2.0 recently? I don't remember that. No, I think we did it right when it came out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We, okay. Going back a year and right, it was the it was right at the end of I think twenty was it the end of twenty twenty two. Yeah. Well, it was the very end of last that. year, so we would have done a show earlier this year. Okay, but yeah, that's a good point. And then and the end of the year is coming up very quickly, so we should actually do that show pretty soon. Yep. Revisiting that and on some of the chain tax related changes for next year, a lot of Roth IRA type stuff going on. Yes. That'll be a super fun show. All right, I can't wait. <laughs> I didn't mean to derail you there, but no, I, that's yeah, okay. That, that one was okay. I thought pretty consequential, so I wanted to make sure we we. Got an initial reminder here, and obviously we'll talk more about it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about how big is a million. And I think the first place I want to go is its ability to generate earnings. I think that's a fun conversation. Maybe we'll get to real estate if we have time. Let's talk about generating earnings. Let's talk about its ability to support a draw in retirement. I think those will be two that we could spend quite a bit of time on and very interesting. We've had, we did a show once or twice before talking about how 
you know, it's difficult, but how beneficial it is financially if you can save lots of money early in your life and start building your nest egg earlier in your life so that it can work for you in the markets and thus you don't have to work quite as hard to add to it. And it's very, it's very difficult and there's lifestyle sacrifices maybe and changes, right? And it's difficult to do that. But for those people that have the ability to do that and to save a bunch of money like earlier in life, it's wonderful from a financial perspective and takes pressure off much earlier in life and opens up opportunities, et cetera. So what, we, what I mean by that is just to illustrate it using numbers, which I love to do, of course, is think about someone on the younger side, 20s, 30s, whatever, someone on the younger side saving in their 401k, for example, and it can take a while to grow that 401k to a substantial balance, right? And just with normal, even 10% contributions, or some people can't quite get there early in life, 5% contributions plus an employer match, like depending salaries are lower when you're a new, new in your career, et cetera. So it's just, so to illustrate, so think about someone that has like a hundred thousand dollars in a 401k and maybe they're on the younger side, twenties, thirties, whatever. And they're probably invested in an aggressive or hopefully they're invested in an aggressive stock heavy portfolio where earnings expectations on average over long periods of time anyway are maybe high single digits or low double digits, right? So maybe this person is in an all stock portfolio and maybe they're looking for 10% return per year. And that's probably not out of the realm of reality very long term anyway. We've certainly had lots of years and average returns over lots of years that could be in that range for someone who's aggressive invested in all stock portfolios or heavily invested in stock portfolios. Anyway, so easy math, 10% of $100,000, that 401k in a year where they could earn 10% grows by $10,000, not factoring in what they're adding to it. And hopefully they're adding to it, right? So a 10% return on an, on a hundred thousand dollar accounts, $10,000 of growth. Even if we go to a $250,000 401k, if that person still can earn 10%, that's $25,000 of growth, right? Yep. And this is what I just think a lot of people, many people, all people, maybe general statement, people focus on when they're focusing on their money, their 401k, for example, and their savings for retirement. It's just human nature, maybe to, to be like hyper-focused on the how it's growing, the rate of return. What is it doing? How much is it earning for me? Right. That's just normal. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and everybody, wants 8%, 10% more in, in terms of a return. Everybody wants the upside with no downside, but we've talked about that before. And it's, and I understand that and it's normal and everyone focuses on what's my return. But the point of what the point I'm trying to get across right now is that, that the return that it generates or it can generate, not guaranteed, is not nearly as important as how much money you have working for you. So what I mean by that is if you have, if you've, if you have a hundred thousand dollars in your 401k and it earns 10%, that's a great return. That's $10,000 of growth. Yeah. If you have a million dollars in your 401k and you earn 10%, that's a hundred thousand dollars of growth in one year, not factoring in what you add to it. That's more than three times the annual contribution limit for someone over 50. And it's more than four times the annual contribution limit for someone under 50. And even even if you have, even if you're not earning 10% at that level of asset, if you've got a million dollars in a 401k, even if it earns like 6% in a given year, that's $60,000 
that's again, that's two times the contribution limit for someone over 50 and almost three times what you can add to it for someone under 50. So the point is we could, people hone in on what did it earn? What's the percent? But that is such a small It's a small factor relative to how much money do you have working and earning X percent rate of return because the numbers get really big really quickly when you have the the actual dollars in terms of the growth, not take away percentages for a minute. If you just focus on dollars, then you're going to be much more, your ability to grow your money is much more significant no matter like no matter what your return is if you have more if <laughs> yeah. you have more money that's working for you right yeah so even a million dollar 401k if someone was just like risk averse and they're just like i'm going to just put this in cash and cd's and cash is yielding a lot right now in cd's but like long term averages right even if you have a million dollars in a 401k and let's say over i don't know t- over several years you can get 2 and a half percent on average in some cd's you're going to earn, it, that's going to grow as much as someone that has 250000 in their 401k. That, that's taking a lot of risk and can earn 10%, right? So it's the ability for larger amounts of money to generate earnings for someone is pretty astounding when you get into the numbers. And if you can, everyone talks about rates of return in terms of percentages, but when you look at the dollars, it's pretty cool when you think about what does this larger chunk of money have the ability to do for me? And then if you compare that with what ability you have to add to it out of your cash flow, it's yeah. the numbers get really cool. If you have a million dollars in a 401k and it earns 6%, that's 60 grand how many people have the ability to throw $5,000 a month into their portfolio, right? Not, maybe not very many that, that have families and all that stuff. So I go back to, of course, it's very hard to, to be motivated and maybe make sacrifices and make changes in your life in order to build that amount of money and doing it earlier in life is wonderful for the people that can do it but the numbers get really cool and it's really incredible from a financial perspective to see if you can do that early and to see what the portfolio can do for you and how it can work for you. Yeah, and and I I do want to, and I do want to just take a step back real quick. It does take, and we we shouldn't just gloss over the fact that it it can take an eternity to save a million dollars, especially for for a lot of folks. I'm just doing relatively quick math. If you're adding $10,000 a year and and you can earn 10% per year, it still takes you 25 plus years to get to a million dollar balance. And that's a long time saving $10,000 a year is not, it's certainly much lower than the 401k limits. And if you're able to save more, you certainly should for the average person, but it takes a long time to get there, which is what we probably say, start investing early, at least, at least several times a show here. And, but yeah, I just want to Yes, a million dollars is great, and the larger your balance is at the at the end in retirement, the much better off you are. But it does take time to get there, and I think we should just make sure we we, we mention that part too, because it's not just it's like, tough to. Oh, it's tough can to you get just million. grab a million dollars? Yeah, I was trying to figure <laughs> out how I agree, and I totally agree, of course. And I it, it, I do recognize that in order to build that amount of money, like earlier in life, yeah, it it's rare. And it takes discipline and probably life choices to, to yep, do that. Yep. I was trying to figure out how long it takes to, if you can max your 401k starting out very early in life at $22,500, how long does it take to get a million Okay, with I'm like sure I could, I'm 8% sure I could per year return? 
could take 20 years. So if you started to do that at 22 or 23, very difficult to do. That's You probably don't have much in the way of college debt. You're probably living at home with your parents for a little while. Again, I recognize that it's very difficult to do, but if you could max a 401k at, in 2023, which is $22,500 for someone under 50, and if you could earn eight or not 8% per year on average, that's probably 20 years to get to a million, but that's still pretty early in life to have that chunk of money at 43, 45, to have that in your 401k. That's early. That's early in life to have a balance like that takes discipline, but yeah, but the numbers are cool. Yep. Okay. That's all I had on that. Just was trying to illustrate and a portfolio's ability to earn for you can get really powerful. And, but, but even think about, so even a $300,000 portfolio that can earn 10%. What's, what does a portfolio have to gen, how big does a portfolio have to be to earn 8% and equal 22,500, which is what somebody could put in the max? Oh, that's a good question. Probably 300, 300 grand, something like that. You, can you do that math at 8% return? What's 8% of what is $22,500? Sure. I can do that. Probably like 300 grand. If you had $300,000 $300,000 in your 401k, for example, and you could earn 8% on that, then your earnings, not guaranteed, are adding to that account as much as you as a person can contribute yourself, not factoring in an employer match. Yeah, $281,000. $281,000. So that, that, that's a great like benchmark. First of all, it can be hard for a lot of people to put the max into their 401k, 403b, right? right. $22,500 for someone with a family and multiple kids and saving for college and they've got a mortgage and especially now with the cost of mortgages and all that stuff, right? Totally get it. But if you had, so if you had 281000 you should yep. still be adding. But the point is like it has the now ability to potentially generate up. what more than what you can add yourself, which is cool. All right. I think we beat that one. We beat that one to death. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's almost nine thirty. time for a break. Let's do a really quick one. Let's do a really quick one. Real estate, yep. right? We just had, we just followed uh, Sharon McNamara's show. Talk, talk real estate roundtable. Is that the name of the show? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yep. And so real estate prices, crazy, maybe getting a little less crazy. I don't know. It seems like maybe it's cooling down a little bit, but still crazy. So I did a little digging on, okay, thinking about like a million dollars. What does a million dollars buy in terms of real estate? How many homes does it buy? And then looking back in history, (laughs) how many homes did a million dollars buy 20, 30, 40 years ago? These numbers are cool, right? The median home price in Massachusetts, according to, it was like bank rate. I was looking on bank rate and they were pulling some information from Redfin, okay? The median home price in Massachusetts as of, I think it was June of this year, was $640,000. So a million dollars right now buys about 1.56 homes in Massachusetts. In Marshfield, where I live, I'm sorry, I don't know if it was average or median. I think it was median home price in Marshfield. I don't know if it was June or July of this year was 707,000. So a million dollars buys 1.4 homes. In Westford, where you live, median home price, this was according to Zillow, $769,000. So your million bucks in in Westford, Mass, buys you 1.3 homes. That is not very many homes. Too bad, yeah. For a million dollars. People who are buying their first home don't have a million bucks on them. Nope. And National Association of Realtors told me that the median home price in the United States is now $410,000. 
So a million buys you 2.4 homes. 10 years ago, median home price was $268,000. So a million bucks 10 years ago bought you almost four homes. Wow. And now it's 2.4 homes. Um, 20 years ago, median home price, $195,000. So a million bucks bought you five homes 20 years ago. And now it's 2.4. Interesting stuff. All right, we're just taking a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Join this morning by my brother, business partner, Justin McNamara. Check us out at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. Also our podcast, McNamara on Money. Taking a quick break. Be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. Good morning. Good morning. It's so nice of dad to do all this stuff for us still, even though we're in our 40s, like recording our (laughs) intros and our disclaimers on the show. He probably asked us to record our own and we just haven't gotten to it yet. But That's um, right. That's his show. I feel like we'd be taking over. It would seem weird if it was my intro. But anyways, we probably should. Yeah, we definitely should. We did, but in the new format, I think we shortened them and we just haven't done it yet. Sorry, dad. We'll get right on that for next time. All right. We're talking this morning about how big is a million? Play off one of my favorite kids' books called How Big Is a Million? By, by the way, the other name on that on that book is Serena Riglietti. Thank you. Oh, I uh, need to get my eyes checked, and I even zoomed in on the picture and uh, still couldn't read that. <laughs> oh, I just did a search, and it's, you can get it on Amazon, too. Oh, okay. I put but, a yeah. little, I don't know if Justin's looking at my outline, but I put a little picture of the book in the I outline did, in our Google Doc. Oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Anna Milborn and Serena Riglietti. Is that what you said? How long was yeah. it? Um, I read it. It's the cutest it. little. Oh, I should have. It's that's 24 so pages. Cute. It's super. It's a, just yeah. a picture book. It's super cute. It's about this little penguin, like trying to figure out how big a million is. And I don't really, I don't really want to, if I tell you the end, it spoils it, of course, but it's really adorable. And I, so I totally recommend it. Yeah, I should have brought it and read it. It's really cute. So I recommend. And I'm pretty sure I totally bought it at an Usborne book party, like almost 15 years ago, probably. (laughs) I bet they don't have those anymore in the post-COVID world, but I'm sure it's all online sales, but very cute. All right, so we're talking about how big is a million dollars and approaching it from some different perspectives. I do want to get to its ability to support a draw in retirement and support income needs in retirement. That was like, when I thought about this topic, that's the first thing that came to mind. But then I started thinking about a few other ways we could discuss it. But really quickly, I think we could touch on college and life insurance. Let's do that quickly and then spend the rest of the time on a draw in retirement, just because we always talk about draws in retirement. So let's give our listeners something a little different this morning. Not to depress everyone, let's just really quickly go through college educations. And actually the numbers are very different, whether you're talking about public school, private school. And this is really hard to talk about because everyone's all different schools and all different awards and what is your actual tuition, right? So I'm just going to use like ranges when, when having this discussion. This is one reason why 
college planning is so difficult. We, we don't yeah. know what it's going <laughs> You could be planning for college educations, hopefully anyway, 10 years out, 15 years out. And who knows where the, <laughs> right. the, your, your son or daughter is going to go off to school and what will you, what will he or she get in terms of merit award or athletic award, whatever. And your goals for how much you right. want to pay versus allow the kid to, yes. You, right. you get these, you get wild numbers is when you're trying to college plan. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just was, again, very wide range. I was thinking on the low side would be like a public education. So I was actually didn't double check, but I could, I feel like UMass, Amherst, for example, room and board. Let's talk about someone who's boarding community college, obviously much less, but if we're talking about someone like a UMass Amherst, I want to say room and board is something in the range of $33,000 per year. That's right. And yeah, then, that's right. Okay. And then if we think about public schools, this could be I think are a very wide range, but on the very high side, you can be in the 80s and even $90,000 per year on the very high side for a private institution. I want to say BU, for example, is like approaching 90, if not in the 90s. Maybe you can look that one up really quick while I'm chatting. That the go-to expensive college for us. Or, I yeah, feel like it is. I normally <laughs> reference that one. It's, a, it's an NYU, BU. I think those are both in the low 90s at this point. But uh-huh. double check me on that. So that's a wide range. But so on the low end. I got 83. For, oh, okay. yeah. Google, Google says 83, but that's, who knows? That's probably, yeah, 2023, 2024. I think they're, I think they're topping out, maybe coming down a little okay. bit. That's okay. been the recent, so cool. hopefully. Yeah. All right. So let's use eight, uh, 80. So let's use $80,000 a year on the high side. Okay. So on the lower side, public institution, UMass, Amherst, Room and Board, $33,000 a year. Let's assume a four-year education. That's $132,000. In yep. today's dollars, likely there would be growth of the tuition and all that, but then hopefully likely there would be growth of your million. So let's just talk about it in today's dollars. And I shouldn't say your million, not that a lot of people just have a million dollars in cash laying around, but a million dollars. Four-year education at the UMass, Amherst or similar institution is 130, $130 $32,000 for one student for four years. On the high side, so $80,000 a year at a private institution on the higher end, if there wasn't much in the way of award or aid or anything like that, $320,000. A million dollars buys you, and now I have to adjust my math because I was using $90,000. A million dollars buys you 757 public school education. So you could have seven and a half children. And if you had a million dollars, they could all go to (laughs) UMass and you would have the money to pay for it. Roughly a a million dollars of an $80,000 a year institution buys you, wait, 3.12 educations. So if you have three kids and they all decide to go off to private school. And I guess we don't really have to have the conversation about who's paying for it. We're just talking about the dollars, regardless of where they come for come yeah. from. So if you have three kids and they all end up at a private institution and there's not much in the way of merit or award, then you're talking about a, m- a million dollars in educational costs. That's these are that's crazy numbers, huh? And then <laughs> I went. Cr- you think about it, a lot of people think they need and probably do need somewhere around a million. And I know we'll talk about that in our next segment here. But that's one retirement or three college educations. It doesn't seem yeah. doesn't seem right. Yeah. Hey, that's we'll on the very high end. Then I went in the middle. So if you go in the middle, so not everyone pays. Even if BU's eighty three thousand dollars a year, not everyone's paying that. So then I went in the middle. So let's talk about. 
I used $61,000 a year for something in the middle, lower cost institution, or maybe there's some award to bring the overall cost down. So if we use a $61,000 per year, it's a cost of tuition, that's $244,000 over four years for one kid. So a million dollars buys you almost exactly four educations. So if you have four kids and you're somewhere in the, maybe a couple of them go private and it's on the higher end, a couple of them go public, it's on the lower end, you're still talking about a million dollars in intuition costs. That's, yeah, okay, we'll stop there. We don't want to depress everyone. Circle back to our earlier conversation on how long it takes you to save a million dollars. You got to save early for that college. Early... Early save, and a lot. Save. Right. What did, yeah. what did we say? It took us. It took us twenty years at at twenty two thousand five hundred a year at eight percent. And those numbers are probably all high for college. Yep. Right. Eight percent. Probably you're not going to get that because you tend to be more conservative in the strategies, etc. So yep. it's yeah, that's a lot. Start talking to your kids about so how those wonderful have community kids, colleges could be, or the <laughs> trades, or they're not everyone's going. Not everyone's going off to college, right? And there's other opportunities, but it's if you envision paying for your kid's education and taking on that burden yourself or yourselves if you're married, the numbers can be astounding. Plan early for that. Okay, moving along. Really quickly, let's talk about life insurance because I do think a million bucks, do you disagree? Like a million bucks is, oh, that sounds a good amount of life insurance. I'll grab that, right? And and Yeah, it's the the go-to number. It's just so round. It's fun to say. (laughs) I'd like a million bucks. Yeah, more (laughs) than a million bucks. Yeah. Okay, just really quickly on this one, appropriate amounts of life insurance coverage for you are all over the map. It depends on your age. Are you married? What? How big is your mortgage and other debts? How many kids do you have or plan to have, right? There's all sorts of, this can be all over the map, but just to illustrate quickly, if you make a hundred, if, if this life insurance policy is on someone, so this is largely like income replacement, right? If there was a premature death and you're relying on your spouse, for example, in his or her earnings, and uh, God forbid they passed away and weren't, they didn't have those earnings, so you'd be looking for someone to replace chunk of money to replace that income stream, right? So if you're, if this life insurance policy is on someone that earns $100,000 and if there's a million dollars of life insurance, it's not quite as simple as that replaces the income for 10 years because life insurance is tax-free, whereas earnings is taxable. So if I assume 20% federal, state, payroll taxes, something in that range for someone earning $100,000, probably their after-tax earnings is closer to 80,000. So a million dollars is something in the range of 12 and a half years of income replacement for someone that earns $100,000. One way to look at it. If we factor in growth, that that person's ability to grow their earnings, cost of living adjustments, promotions, et cetera, then it's less than that. Maybe it's 10 years, maybe it is 10 years, okay? If if this life insurance policy is on someone that earns a couple hundred thousand dollars, so again, factoring in that life insurance is tax-free, wages are taxable, it covers more than more than five years because it's tax-free. So I, doing some calculations, estimating roughly taxes on a couple hundred thousand, it probably covers six and a half years worth of that person's earnings. But again, if we factor in the ability for those earnings to grow, then yeah, maybe it's closer to five and a half years, something like that. So that, yep. so those are just some, just to give people an idea, like the, the one way to think about that, how old are your kids? How yeah. long does your more? How long is your mortgage projected to last? For a lot of people, it's twenty-five or thirty more years, right? Yep. And so, if you're replacing income for five, six, even ten years, and you have young kids, and you have a 
$600,000 mortgage that's probably not going to be paid down substantially for quite a long time if you're in a 30-year mortgage, then that might not be enough to replace that income for enough time. So I think that there's a million dollars to your point is a nice round number. It sounds great. It sounds like a lot of money, but in in the world that we live in with real estate prices and cost of education, we don't even factor in education, right? Cost of education and, and cost of living yeah. I don't think it's quite as much like for a young family with a few kids. I don't think it's that it might not be sufficient. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. And I th- especially now, I think it obviously the numbers change as you go through life and your mm-hmm. and your natural progression of income earning. Right. Often, often there are a lot of folks whose income doesn't match up with inflation, mm. especially as you get from early to early career to mid career. It's just one of those things you do want to keep reviewing it. Right. It's, you buy your insurance policy and the next for the next few years. It looks fine, and you can get complacent and say, "Okay, it's there's not a lot. I don't, I don't need to really pay attention to that because that's taken care of." But then here you are, five, ten years later, you have a bunch of inflation, and your wages are up, and all of a sudden you're looking at your million dollars and saying, "Oh wow, my kids don't go to college for another ten years, and, and a million is going to cover me for for five, right?" That's yeah. it, it's the kind of thing you just need to make sure you're keeping on top of because you can get complacent with that kind of review. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Yep. All right. Anything else on that? I, w- I wanted to move to. How big is a million in terms of a supporting a retirement lifestyle yeah, lifetime? Nope. Okay. All right. So this is, I don't know, this is where I wanted to get, but I needed to give everyone all my other words of wisdom, <laughs> our, our other words of wisdom in this regard. You spent all that time in this outline. I know. I did. I did. I did. I set my alarm this morning. I got up nice and early. Yep. Worked on this. Okay. I think similar to what we just said about life insurance coverage, I think a million dollars is like that nice round number and the number that a lot of people want to get to when it comes to saving for retirement. It may, Maybe, I do feel like that's changing a little. Maybe that's just the clients I'm working with, but I feel like five, 10, 15 years ago, it was like everyone was like, oh, if I have a million dollars, I'm fine for a retirement nest egg. And I think that's not, that's, often not the case and hence our discussion today. All right. <laughs> we probably need two hours to talk about this, but let's go quickly and stop me if I'm going too quickly. So a million dollars, let's say someone is retiring and I have a million dollars and it's in my 401k, rollover IRA, whatever, but let's just say it's mostly or completely in retirement accounts because that's just more common than having a million dollars outside of retirement. Okay. So Depending on, so can we, without getting into the weeds too much, can we use like a four, maybe we can get into a 5% per year draw from that million dollars because yep. we've talked a hundred times about how that's like a good target. Some, generally speaking, a sustainable draw sort of depends on your age and other factors, but someone retiring, let, let's say like mid sixties might want to, you know, start at a four, maybe a 5% rate of draw from the portfolio, generally considered comfortable, at least a good starting point. Okay. Yeah, anyway, it's, it's, a, it's, all it's a good rule of okay, thumb, good rule of thumb. But, you know, at, at, you know I, but we don't probably don't need to disclose it, but not appropriate yeah. for everybody in every circumstance, but it, it does work for a fairly wide subset of the population. Yeah. Okay. And it's also, I think, comfortable for people to be in that range because once, for example, once you have your million, I can think of a client who has about a million dollars 
Yeah. And she always likes to see it about a million dollars. She doesn't want to ever see it go below a million. You really get anchored, right? Because when you go (laughs) from having a million to not a million, that's a big big psychological (laughs) hit to you. Yeah. It happens at every interval. If it's two million or three million or four million or five million, it's the same thing. Exactly. No one likes to jump over one of those millions. And a hurdle and then be below the hurdle, right? You you take a step back. Um, Unfortunately, her million is a little bit less than that right at the moment, (laughs) but she's going to not look very often and have faith. That, that she'll get back there. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so at a roughly, a, let's use a 4%, at a 4% draw in you know, moderate portfolio, something appropriate for someone in their mid-60s, for example, if that if she could earn or if you could earn 5%, something like that, and you're drawing four, then you should be able to like still roughly most of the time see your million. So, it, yep. so people like that, like it for that reason as well. And as advisors, we like it for sustainability and building in growth on the draw and inflation and all that stuff and life expectancies and all that. So we, advisor and client, both this 4% number. Again, depending on your age, if you're 55, might be a different number. Anyway, right. okay, I'm, I'm going it's, in the weeds. Know, to, to be <laughs> yeah. clear, what all, all of the forecasts that are run that, that come up with these rules of thumb, they just make, they're based on you not running out of money. So that doesn't, it doesn't mean necessarily that that you'll, that 4% will keep you, will keep you above your invested principal, but there's a decent chance of it depending on the market environment that you retire into. Yeah. Okay. So 4% of a million dollars is $40,000 a year, Yep. $3,333 per month. So mm-hmm. I think we're, let's operate under the assumption that this person, kit, this retiree can comfortably draw $3,333 per month from their million and not, hopefully not much wary. We do, we have to factor in taxes. Most people aren't drawing from a million dollars in a non-retirement chunk of money. Most people have the bulk of their savings in 401ks and similar, right? So right. we have to factor in taxes. So I'm just going to rough it out. Let's call that after taxes. per month. I forget what I use. I must use 20% all in federal state. I must use something in that range, maybe a little bit less than 20%, I think I used. Okay. A million dollars, roughly, not guaranteed, but we're just going to, in this, for our purposes of today's discussions, we're going to assume that can pretty comfortably generate $2,700 per month of income for this retiree. So then we think about, okay, what other... Um, you're free to define whether or not that's a little or a lot, right? Everyone's going to look at that differently, which I know you're probably about to about to step into here. But You know it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about we, we've... It doesn't seem like a lot for a million dollar portfolio, right? It's just in it your doesn't. head. You're a, oh, how much can I take out of my million dollar portfolio? And, and your advisor says, oh, about 2,700 a month. That, yep. That's good. It doesn't I think sound it's like a, little bit of a, a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Because if I would be like, can I take $5,000 a month? Sounds yeah. like I could take 5,000 from a million because that's a right. very small number relative yeah. to a million dollars. Yeah, I completely agree with you. When I was doing, when I've done stuff like this a million times and yeah. I was doing this outline and I was like, yeah, that's a small number. Yeah. But we're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And we haven't gotten into, we're talking about sustainability and how long are they going to live? And we haven't gotten into, right. they want to keep their portfolio bequesting to kids or do they want to draw all their money down? It's there, we could, you can add and add and add to this conversation. But again, there are a lot of people that, that don't want to see their capital decline yeah. and certainly not deplete. So let, let's go with that. 2,700 bucks a month. You're right. Does not sound like a lot from a million dollars. Then, But let's not forget that a million dollars in a 401k is closer to... 800,000, 750. The after taxes, yeah. But still. Um, And then I was thinking like, okay, what are other sources of income, right? We're talking about portfolio income. Most people have social security, 
Not, right. Some people have pensions. The minority have pensions, but let's talk about a couple that was not in any pension system and they're going to be collecting social security. So, you know, and, and again, this can be all over the map depending on earnings over the years and was one spouse home with kids for a period of time and does he or she have a lower benefit than their other spouse? And this can be all over the map, but someone yep. mid-60s married couple could have something in the range of... 4000 5000 maybe yeah. 6000 a month from Social Security, right? It d- d- depends. Let's use 5000 a month. And then I was thinking about what does is, what is life cost? I look at, without judgment, expense itemizations from clients all day long, right? <laughs> and and it, there is a wide range, of course. People have different lifestyles and different things that they value and spend their money on. And But I think it's for a married couple in this area of the world, Let's fact. Yeah. Let's pretend they don't even have a mortgage, but it's not out of the realm of reality for them to need eight thousand a month. Yeah, maybe sure. maybe ten thousand a month, just because. And we've had some inflation of late. If you think about all the stuff in life, and most people don't really know what they spend, and that might sound ten thousand a month might sound like a high number. I will tell you what, it's not. <laughs> it's very much in the realm of reality for this area of the world for food, dining out, travel, kids, kids yeah. even adult kids cost people money, it seems like yeah. most of the time. And I'm like, I was always like, I don't want to know these things. I'm sure that'll be my life as well. But gifting <laughs> holidays. You, hopefully right? you say that in, in yeah. your head, not out loud. Right. Oh, I've said it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but like, and P, of course, utilities, property taxes, insurance, yeah. and even, and that stuff all, all there could easily be what, six, seven thousand dollars a month but I think what people sometimes forget is the big the bigger one-offs and they don't factor that yeah. into their monthly spending of course but home maintaining a home we went over real estate earlier and real estate sure can appreciate four or five six percent per year long-term averages even those numbers we were crunching earlier that was like five percent per year growth of real estate over long periods of time but I think people like forget about how much money they're putting into the real estate to yeah. achieve such growth. So you don't have to put on a roof all that often, but that's pretty expensive. You don't have to paint your house all that often, but this is really expensive stuff. Flooring and bathrooms and kitchens and all this stuff that like needs to be done over time. So thirty grand, $30,000 in projects to the home, which is really not a whole ton of money thinking about all the stuff that like a home could need over time, right? Yeah. 30 yeah. grand doesn't go all that far on a home these days, right? In terms of a renovation. But no, even if you spent, no, even like if, a, right? It's not a lot. Maybe, maybe that's a, a lot for a lot of people. That's not even a bathroom. Right. It's not even a bathroom. It might not even be painting a, a larger house. Yeah. It's probably not, certainly not windows for a big house. And so 30 grand, even if you were on the lower side and spent $30,000 every five years on something for your home, that's 500 bucks a month. Yeah. And if it was Fifty or $60,000, even every five years, people aren't probably doing this stuff every year. So they save and then they have some and then they, over time, stuff comes up and they spread it out. Even if it's fifty or $60,000 on projects every five years, that's $1,000 a month. Yep. And so it adds up and people don't really think of that. Of course, they're not monthly expenditures, but I'm equating it to what does life really cost? And does that 2700 a month from your million dollars does it allow, when adding that to your fixed yeah. income, does it give you enough money to support retirement long-term? Yeah. And for some people, maybe, yeah. And for some people, I don't think so. 
Yeah, uh, I think for our generation, yeah. we're both. Are you? I won't call you mid forties yet, but I certainly am. <laughs> the million dollars that that benchmark is probably going to be yeah. significantly higher by the time we retire. Yeah. I also think we should take you, you should take some time to. And I know it's harder, and it's it seems like a waste of time to to itemize your expenses mm-hmm. when you're say in your forties. If you're a bunch of years from retirement, but a lot of things do change, and you, your own specific life will will determine what kind of changes in expenses you're looking at. Right. You, you could have a very expensive life now, but if your mortgage is costing you five grand a month, which is you know now possible, right? I mean, especially with interest rates, right? Yep. And it's going to be paid off by the time you retire. That's a, that's a huge expense that drops off, right? I'm, I'm sure there are kids, maybe people, maybe you're one of them who are paying fifteen, twenty thousand dollars on kids' sports, yep. right? That's one of those that'll come off, right? If you're saving, yep. if you're maxing out your four hundred one k, right now, it's if you're over fifty, it's thirty thousand dollars a year. There are there are very large expenses that yeah. potentially come off the books for a lot of folks, but not for everybody, right? Yeah. That's, uh, you know, everyone's situation is different. Maybe you have a huge drop in expenses by the time you retire because college is over and you're not paying for kids and uh, your mortgage is gone, but you want to make sure you know that ahead of time to see, <laughs> just to make sure that you're going to be okay. Oh, it's yeah. not always as easy to just say, oh, uh, you know what, we make $300,000 a year now and our taxes are, are 80. That means our expenses are 220 and that's what we need. It's not always yeah. the case. Yeah, certainly not that simple. Factoring and hopefully, savings. Yeah, okay. and yeah. yeah, I just had a conversation this week about, the, again, about the importance of figuring out what are you really spending and what do you need right now to maintain lifestyle? And it's a process. And Oh, we ran out of time? Oh, okay. We ran out of time. Oh, I <laughs> will talk about that again, but pay attention to what you're spending and there's easy ways and there's more thorough ways to do it, but maybe we'll have a whole other show on that. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Check out our podcast, Spotify, Amazon, I forget where else, Apple, McNamara on Money. And you can find out more about us at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. Thank you so much for joining. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.